My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day. And through it all, the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It's like a mustard seed that, when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants, puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. The Gospel of the Lord. For those of you who aren't maybe familiar with Twitter, when you log into the social media site, there's this listing titled, What's Happening? That's updated pretty frequently to tell you some of the, the main topics that are being discussed on their platform. So oftentimes you might see the name of a politician who did something or said something noteworthy or controversial, or maybe a celebrity who's passed away. There's also hashtags that will be on the list as trending, which could be about an event. Like on Friday, it was hashtag Euro 2020 on the list for the opening soccer match between Italy and Turkey. Yay, Italy. His father, Francesco, must have been shouting from the rooftops here. Or it could be a phrase, like a catchphrase, that describes something that's happening as a topic of conversation. For the most part, I usually skim the list just to see if there's news breaking, but I rarely click on any of those topics. But about three weeks ago, it was on a Sunday, I couldn't help myself when I saw the catchphrase, hashtag, a cripple has walked. I couldn't imagine that anything of a religious nature would trend on Twitter, so my curiosity was piqued. And the story was how in Kenya, there was this Christian church, not sure if it was a Pentecostal or a non-denominational church, but they were definitely charismatic, who were celebrating the fact that this young boy who had been unable to walk after being prayed over was standing and walking upright. Because Twitter is a global thing and users from all around the world can interact with topics and trends, what started out as a miracle claim turned and turned ugly pretty quickly, which I probably should have resisted the urge to click on the link in the first place, but because it took some time to get past some of the messages that were really angry and filled with really filthy language, mocking the story or the people 
or mocking and dismissing faith in general. One of the first posts that came up for that topic, which turned out to be one of the most popular tweets for this hashtag, said something along the lines, and I'm going to have to edit and clean it up here, saying, you know, I was on the fence about my religious faith, but once I saw hashtag a cripple has walked trending and saw what all that ableist crap was about, I'm now officially an atheist. Thanks, Twitter. In case you couldn't tell, Twitter can really be a sewer of a place. People do seem to try really hard to outdo themselves and snark. Who's tweeting something just for more phony attention? Phony because just because your words are being retweeted or someone likes it, that's not real affection or care for you as a person, but people treat it like it is. But that one tweet really stood out because of the demeaning and denigrating of people of faith and the arrogance and condescension just dismissing miracles at all and how people were, were trying to amplify that message. It was all just sad and disturbing. Now, this isn't to make some sort of a determination about this particular incident in Kenya as relayed through Twitter with doctored photos and videos and all kinds of manipulations that happen on social media, I don't put my trust and belief in something just because I read it and saw it on the internet. Which, side note, I propose for anyone is actually really good advice. But the question that I was asking myself was, what would it take to convince someone to believe in God and his power and his ability to work here and now? Because whether this particular story was true or not, that this boy who had been unable to walk through the power of prayer was now able, I know and I believe that this has happened before. And I have seen and experienced miraculous things, and I've heard testimonies and witnesses of people that I trust who have seen and experienced miraculous things in their own lives as well. But aside from those dramatic occurrences, there's everyday ordinary miracles that take place, like the ones that Jesus uses as illustration in these parables about planting and growing. We take these things for granted and can treat them just as ordinary routine. Or if you're like me, who is not the most successful of gardeners, purchase already grown plants in, in their pots and point to, to them as my gardening. And then I dump them at the end of the season not really appreciating how miraculous the act of planting, of growing, truly can be. But think about that mystery. A seed, some dirt, can result in flowers and plants and vegetables and fruits. And sure, there's tips and techniques in terms of watering and fertilizing and all that goes into that. But at its most basic level, its growth is, is somewhat hidden and it's mysterious. The entire process is just part of God's creation. The potential and the results for every seed, every growth, are ultimately a part of God's providence. But the only reason I can appreciate these things is because I have a vision of faith. My life has been forever changed by Jesus Christ, and he animates every aspect of my life. 
to help me to see his presence in action in the world. Whether it's in an extraordinarily miraculous act or something more common, like a sunrise or a sunset or a plant growing. That's what a life of faith is intended to do for everyone. But how does that happen? How does a person develop that vision of faith? Well, that too can be miraculous, as Jesus explains in that parable. He makes it clear that the potential for souls to be saved through his gospel being proclaimed, for the world to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit being unleashed, that doesn't come simply from a priest or a bishop or a cardinal or even a pope. They, or we, all have a role to play for sure, so it's not to dismiss them as unnecessary, but neither are you. Every one of you has that same potential. You have, by your baptisms, been anointed and entrusted with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you're meant to be missionaries in your your homes, in your neighborhoods, your schools, in your workplaces. Not by just living a life of faith where your example is a proclamation of the gospel and the impact that Jesus has, which is very important, of course, but even more by our wanting those that we encounter to share Jesus' desire for them, that they experience eternal life, that their souls matter. I have a friend who's so well-versed in the stock markets and trading and the whole Wall Street thing, who's so excited and animated about it that he literally poured into me information, whether I wanted it or not, I promise you. But because he's a friend and I care about the stuff he cares about, I was listening to him. And there's a level of trust that he finally actually got me to participate in some of those trades and stuff. We're not Wall Street Titans or anything, so don't hit me up for anything because it's not that, that successful. But honestly, four months ago, I never even thought about this, and it was not something I was even remotely interested in. But his witness and his testimony had an effect on me. Now, that's obviously a very worldly example. But the point is, we share, we influence those around us with everything, from schools to attend, movies to check out, professionals that we would recommend, How many of us are willing to do the same thing when it comes to faith? To share what we celebrate here, the who that we encounter here, who wants every soul, who wants your neighbor, your coworker, your good friend, your your relative, who doesn't go to church anymore to be saved, who desperately wants the whole world to experience eternal life. Jesus has entrusted that as part of your mission. And when we take a step back, we have to marvel at how that has been, how the gospel has spread and continued to extend to every age and every nation throughout the world for thousands of years. By disciples of Christ having faith in him and in themselves to take that risk, to love someone enough of out there to share this good news with them. Seeing all the the vitriol and negativity online at this one particular miracle claim, it's hard to use that as a barometer of how that translates into the number of people who dismiss the story or dismiss the possibility for a miracle. 
who are blind to the miracles that do surround us as we give thanks for the very fact that we opened our eyes this morning. We took our first breath. For some of us that we smelled and tasted that first cup of coffee, or second or third as the case may be. There are way too many who are deprived of or have lost that vision of faith. We don't have to believe every claim that's made like a cripple has walked. But as believers, we know it's possible. And we've seen it and we've experienced his action. Can we be bold and courageous enough to share that good news to invite others to have that vision of faith? God will take care of the growing, but he needs us to take the risk to plant.